What's going on? It's so good to see uh, all of you tonight. Uh, I hope uh, y'all have been having a good week so far. It's crazy to think that y'all are in the middle of exam week. You know, the fact that you have come back from Christmas break and are still in uh, the second nine weeks taking your first semester exams, it's crazy to me. But uh, I know it feels weird, but I, I truly hope that uh, this week has not been too stressful for y'all, not been too crazy. Know that, hey, we, we've been praying for you all week and just praying that the Lord uh, would honor the work that you've put into preparing for these exams. Uh, and I hope that tonight, as uh, we just dive into the Word, that we can just set aside the different things that are stressing us out in life, the different things going around us that are crazy, that we can just set those aside for a few minutes uh, and just dive into the Word of God. Because right now we are in the middle of a series called Refocus. And the whole goal of this series is uh, to fully refocus our lives on Christ. And we, we began this uh, series last week by really just acknowledging that 2020 was a tough year. 2020 was a tough year physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And here's the crazy part is, we went into 2021 and there was a lot of hype. There was a lot of excitement that, man, 2021 is going to be this great year. 2020 is done with. Everyone's excited to move into the new year. But the thing was is that 2021 had no guarantee whatsoever that it would be a better year than 2020. There was no guarantee. But what we are doing in this series is we are learning how to make sure that 2021 is the best year that we've ever had. And we've talked about that if we want 2021 to be the best year that we've ever had, we have to completely refocus our lives on Christ. We have to completely refocus on our relationship with the Lord. And so last week we began this journey uh, by discussing the importance of Scripture. And we, we talked about how Scripture is really the foundation for this. Because Scripture uh, gives us insight into who God really is. Right? We talked about it, if we're going to be in a relationship with someone, we have to know the other person. And in order for us to know who God is and to also know who God isn't, We have to know Scripture. We have to be uh, immersed. We have to read Scripture constantly. We have to read Scripture constantly. So tonight, uh, we are going to continue our journey by talking about the importance of community. Now, before we get too far uh, into the message and start diving in, I I just want to do something real quick. I, I want everyone to take out their phone. Take out your phone real quick. I I promise you, I'm not going to ask you to put your phone under your seat or give it to your leader. No, I I just want you to take out your phone and I want you to go to the contacts section of your phone. I want you to pull up your contacts and I want you to scroll down to the bottom of contacts and, and down at the bottom, it'll tell you how many contacts you have. You know, maybe for y'all being Gen Z, maybe the better thing to do is to ask you to pull up Snapchat and tell me how many Snapchat friends you have since it it, it almost seems like instead of texting or calling, like everything's just done over Snapchat now. I don't even know why we have the Messages app. I guess the Messages app just still exists for 
for weird people like me and people who are older than me. It seems like the, the new thing with Gen Z is we text over Snapchat now. Uh, I haven't fully understood it yet, but but pull up Snapchat, pull up your contacts, and I want you to just say, tell me how many, how many contacts, how many Snapchat friends you might have, okay? We've got... Uh, 160, okay, <laughs> 50 contacts, okay, wow, okay, so me personally, I've got 371 contacts in my phone, uh, a lot of those are youth, or parents of youth, or, or just friends that I, I had in college, high school, etc., but my point in all of this is you have community, my point is, we are all involved in community. We are all involved in community. Simply put, people desire community and we're surrounded by it. Right? Like even the biggest introvert is in community. Even if you have one person in your phone, there's still community there. All right? Because at its core, catch this, at its core... Community is a system of relationships. Community is a system of relationships. You can have community with one person, or you can have it with a hundred people. Community is just a system of relationships. And what we see as we look at Scripture is that we were made for community. You and I, we were made for community. Let, let's look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Here, here's what it says. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. And so here we see that from the beginning, it was not good for man. It was not good for humans to be alone. And God said, it's not good for man to be alone. So let me give him a helper. Let me give him community. So we may ask the question, okay, well, we desire community. Maybe we're made for community. But uh, how do we really know? How do we really know that we were actually meant to be in community? You know, maybe I don't like being around people. So how do I know that, like, Biblically, I was meant for community. It's a great question. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 2, and we're also going to look at verse 26, and I want you to catch this. I want you to see the community that's here. Starting in verse 2, uh, it says, The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. See, in these two verses, we see community. I want to look back at verse 2. I'm, I want to point this out to you. In verse 2, Genesis 1-2, it says, the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now, we know that God, the Father, is creating here. And so, as we begin to read these two verses, 
we began to see the community of God. We, the Spirit of God was hovering. The Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit. So we know that at creation, in verse 2, we are enlightened to see that at creation is not just God, but the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is at creation. And, at, and when we look at verse 26, we can look at how God is speaking here and we see community. God says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So God isn't saying, let, uh, let me make human beings in my image to be like me. God's saying, us, our, us. He's using plural words here to express that he's not alone. God's not alone at creation. As we look into the New Testament too, we read John 1 that says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and in the beginning was the Word. And we come to understand in the New Testament that that is talking about Christ, Jesus, who was there at the beginning. So in the beginning we have the community of God. And so I think we need to understand through this that if the creator was in community, then the creation should also be in community. Hear that again. If the creator was in community, then the creation should also be in community. We come to know the community of God by another term called that we call in the Christian faith the Trinity. The Trinity, the community of God. And there's three parts of that. Many of you know, some of you may not know. The Trinity, the community of God, is made up of, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I really think the Trinity serves as a great example of what our community should look like in our lives. And I think we get further insight into what our community should look like in Ecclesiastes 4.12. Ecclesiastes 4.12, here's what it says. It says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So Ecclesiastes essentially reinforces that it's not good for a person to be alone. And two is great, but three is even better. Three is even better. And I think this fully embodies the Trinity, the community of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three parts, a community that cannot be broken. But I think that as we look at how our community should be modeled in our lives, I think we need to look at it in a three-part sense. Whereas tonight I'm going to argue the three strands of community, the three strands of community. As we look at the three strands of community, the first one I want us to consider is this. The first strand is the community with God. The first strand of community we need to have in our lives is community with God. And community with God is just an intentional relationship. Community with God is just an intentional relationship. I want us to look at John chapter 1, verse 14. And I want us to specifically look at it 
in the message translation. Because I think it's really interesting how the message translation phrases these words. Here's what John 1 verse 14 says. It says, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. See, this is a very personal verse. It's a very personal verse. Right? It doesn't say that the word became flesh and God asked us to move into his neighborhood. No. It says that God moved into our neighborhood, into the neighborhood. And so what we see is that God didn't just create and abandon. God did not create and abandon. He created and then he related. God didn't create and abandon. He created and related. And we see that even in Genesis. That God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. He didn't just create them and say, peace out, I'm out of here. Have fun. No, he created and then related with them. He walked with them. He desired a relationship with them. And God, in his mercy and in his grace, when we messed up, he didn't just say, all right, I'm out of here. Y'all have fun on earth living in sin. No, God said, I want a relationship with you. I will not abandon you. I will not abandon you. I'll give you my son. The word will become flesh and blood. And he's going to come to you. You don't have to come to him. He's going to come to you. Because we want the relationship. Now, a lot of times we view God as this distant, unapproachable God who's just, you know, kicking it somewhere up in the clouds like, yo, what up? I'm up here in the clouds. Hope y'all having fun down there. Uh Uh-uh, that's not, that's not who God is. When we look at John 1, we see that God, he, he moved into the neighborhood that's personal. He came to us. He's not just kicking it off in the clouds. He's kicking it right here with us. He's walking with us. God is relational to us. And as God is relational to us, we have to be relational to him. We have to be relational to him. Relationships require community. It requires two people. Let me just ask you a question. What do you do in your relationships? What do you do in your relationships? Your friendships with your parents? Maybe a boyfriend, girlfriend? I don't don't know. Just in your relationships. I'm going to argue that there's really three general essentials that we all have in relationships. We talk. We listen. And we share. We share life. We share meals. We share experiences. And I hear a lot of times, man, I don't know, uh, someone say, I, I don't know how to be in a relationship with God. I don't know how to have a relationship with God. How, how do I have a relationship with God? And the answer really is simple, but it, it oftentimes it's very hard for us to grasp is we should have a relationship with God just like we have relationships with other people in our lives. We should talk to God. Talk to God. And and next week we're going to continue the series by discussing how do we talk to God? How do we pray? 
Man, talk to him. He wants to hear from you. But just as you talk, like you can't do all the talking. No one likes a relationship where they don't, you know, where one person does all the talking. And just as you talk, you also have to listen. You have to be intentional. You have to press the pause button and just say, okay, God, what are you, I've been talking a lot. What, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? But then you also need to share. Share your life with God. Share experiences with God. Share a meal with God. In the Christian faith, we we celebrate communion, which is a meal with God. It's a meal with God. I mean, when I, you may go, oh, what's the point, man? That meal has so much significance. Communion has so much significance, so much impact. Man, when I take communion, it completely refocuses me. It refocuses me on the length, the extent that God went to have a relationship with me, to have community with me. Man, share life with God. Share your experience. Yes, God knows. God knows what happens in our life. He knows what is going to happen in our lives. But just because he knows doesn't mean that he doesn't want to hear from you. Yeah, I can remember growing up and, you know, I knew my parents knew certain things going on in my life, but it always seemed like they always just wanted to know. You know, they would sit at the table and, how'd your day go? Well, you know how my day went. Like, you knew everything, you know everything I did today. But it didn't change the fact that even though they knew what happened in my day, they still wanted to hear it from me. Because that was part of a relationship. Sharing is part of a relationship. So God wants to hear from you. God wants you to listen to him. And God just wants you to share life with him, share experiences with him. We all know how to be in relationships with others. Because of that, we know how to be in relationship with God. It just feels a little different. The second strand of community that undoubtedly we all need to have in our lives if we're truly going to refocus on community and ultimately refocus on our relationship with the Lord is community with the church. So we've got community with God and community with the church. Now, when it comes to community with the church, community with the church requires action. It requires action. Before we dive too far into that, I just want us to ask the question of what is community? What is this community, community in the church? What does it look like? What does it look like to have community within the church? I want us to look at Romans chapter 4, no, excuse me, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 5. Here's what it says, Romans 12, verses 4 through 5. It says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Now, this is a a very common 
passage that, that a lot of people know, and, and you know we've talked about it before. But the community of Christ is made up of the believers, right? So community with the church could also be said community with the body of Christ. And what we come to know about the body of Christ is that we all have a part in this community. We all have a part. We all have a part. You know, someone may be the hand. Someone may be the foot. Someone may be the arm. Someone the leg. You know, and, and all those things represent the, just the simple fact that, like, no, maybe you're not just a physical hand, but you have a part to play. And your part is probably different than the person sitting next to you. But just as the body needs all of its parts to function fully, the body of Christ needs all of its parts, all of its people to function properly. Here's what we know is we were not just given a part to sit and watch. You were not given a part in the body of Christ, a community with God, community with the body of Christ. You are not given a part just to sit and watch from the sidelines. There is not a part on your body that is just there for nothing. Every part of your body has a function, has a part. And when that part doesn't work, it affects the rest of the body. You were given a part to act. You were given a part to act. I want you to think of it this way. All right, so I, a couple of weeks ago over Christmas, I was up at my dad's house and we watched the, the new Wonder Woman movie. I, I've never seen any of the Wonder Woman movies. I haven't really watched too many of the superhero movies, but we watched the Wonder Woman movie and I thought it was really good. I thought it was a great movie. But as I was thinking about the movie, just the other day, I, writing this message, I, th- I started thinking, man, how good would that movie have been if Wonder Woman decided, eh, I may have the lead part, but I don't really feel like participating. I don't really feel like acting. I think maybe I'll just sit over here on the side and watch. What if Wonder Woman had said that? What if she had just said, I'm just going to sit over here on the side and watch y'all, y'all do your thing. And I'll sit over here. I'm going to argue that you wouldn't be able to even call the movie Wonder Woman because Wonder Woman wouldn't be in it. And if they had actually gone forward with making the movie, it would not have been a very good movie at all. Your main character is missing. And here's the thing. When it comes to the body of Christ, you were given a part. And you were given a part to act. And your part is essential. It's essential. The body of Christ cannot operate the way it's meant to without you. It can still operate, but it's going to be missing a part. It'll be missing a part. You are given a part to act. So how do we function in the church community? How do we function in the church community? How do we act? First thing is this, you attend. You attend. And you know what? Give yourself a pat on the back. Back. Give yourself a pat on the back. Because you're doing that right now. You're attending. You you got to be present. You got to be present. You got to show up. But it doesn't stop there, right? 
The second way we function in the church community is we engage. We don't just sit there like a bump on a log. It's so much more than just being a butt in a chair. Engage. Engage with other people. Engage with what's being talked about. Engage with the message. Engage with worship. Engage in prayer. Be active. Be active. Just as you attend and engage, you also have to serve. You have to serve the body of Christ. When we look at Matthew 28, 18-20, one of the most iconic verses in Scripture, Jesus given what we know is the Great Commission, where he tells his disciples to go and make disciples. Go. Go and make disciples. Baptize them. Jesus essentially said, action. Ready, action. You're not just here to sit. You're not just here to follow. You're here to act. Go. Action. Go fulfill your part. Go serve. You know, serving looks different for everyone. For me, serving the church community looks like exactly what I'm doing right now, getting up and sharing the word with students. But for other people, it looks different. Not everyone's called to be a youth pastor. Not everyone's called to be a worship leader. Some people are called to be engineers. Some people are called to be scientists, doctors. And how you serve the body of Christ is special to you and your calling. But just because you're not serving literally in the church doesn't mean that you don't have to serve the body of Christ. You see, sometimes serving looks like going out and doing the action. Sometimes serving looks like supporting others who are going out behind the scenes. But if we're going to function in the church community, we have to attend, we have to engage, and we have to serve. We have to participate. We have to act. Finally, as, as we look at the three strands of community in our lives, the third strand is community with others. We've got community with God, community with the church community, community with the church, and then community with others. Community with others. And, and here's the thing. When it, when it comes to community with others, we have to understand that community with others takes sacrifice. Community with others takes sacrifice. Understand this. In order for you to be relational with others, you have to care about others. You have to care about them. Nobody wants to be in community with selfish people. Nobody likes that. Nobody, like, if you encounter, it doesn't matter if you know them or not. If you encounter a stranger and you get the vibe they're selfish, you're probably not going to like them. You're not going to be inclined to like them. You're not going to want to be in community with them. You're going to go, oh, that person's selfish. I don't really want to be around them. Community with others takes sacrifice. We also have to understand that community with others is diverse. Community with others is very diverse. We just read Romans 12, 4 through 5. Talking about everyone having a part. Right? So some are hands, others are feet, etc. It's diverse. Everyone has a different part. We're not all the same. People are different. The body of Christ is made up of people who are different races, different nationalities, speak different languages. 
everything. People are different. Community with others is diverse. But at the end of the day, we're all human. We're all human. We're all children of God. We are all children of God. It takes sacrifice. We've got to care about others, and we have to realize that community with others is diverse. We need to appreciate people for who they are, who God made them. You know, I, I think a lot of times people are really afraid to be in community with people who are different than them. You know, I know I am. I know for, for myself, even, even though I, I would definitely call myself an introvert, there's something uncomfortable about being vulnerable or being in community with someone I don't know. You know I can think about uh, when I first moved down here. You know, I was asked to, to help lead FCA at Destin Middle School. At the time, Wade Smith, who was the youth pastor at Village Baptist, he was leading the, the guys' side of FCA and I was told, hey you know every Thursday you can go meet with Wade at Starbucks and talk about FCA and I was like oh boy I don't really you know why why can't we just text talk on the phone for a minute what's the point why why do I need to go meet this guy at Starbucks for an hour talk about FCA like look we're going through the gospel of John an hour look I could go through a chapter of John figure out what we need to say to students in about 20 minutes, 15 minutes maybe. An hour? That seems excessive. But I went, and what I realized is that sometimes the people you don't know can become your biggest cheerleader. Sometimes the people you don't know can become your biggest cheerleader. I went to, to Starbucks that first time almost reluctantly. And we did. It was a little awkward, and we we got through it and went our different ways, and we met again the next week. We met again the next week. And as time went on, man, we did that for, I guess, probably a year and a half before he moved to Colorado. Man, every week for a year and a half, we sat at Starbucks every Thursday. And we started out talking about FCA. But as time went on, we really didn't talk about FCA that much. You see, I didn't know him and he didn't know me starting out. But we became each other's biggest cheerleaders in ministry down here. He was at a different church than I was. I didn't know the people he worked with. He didn't really know the people I worked with. So it gave us an opportunity just to be vulnerable with each other and say, hey, we're friends and we don't exactly know everyone else in each other's lives, which is unique and gives us the opportunity to really be vulnerable and pour into each other and talk about the tough things going on in life to say, Hey, wait, if you're struggling at your church and there's stuff going on, you just want to talk about it. That's great. Let's talk. Hey, Nathan, if there's stuff going on in your ministry at your church that you're struggling with, Hey, let's talk. And it can be completely confidential. I don't have to worry about you going and telling people. I don't. You don't have to worry about me going and telling people. Let's just talk. Let's have a relationship. And man, that relationship to this day is still one of 
Wade is still one of my best friends, especially in ministry. And we're still able to pour into each other and still talk to each other about tough things. And we didn't know each other in the beginning, but we became each other, some of each other's biggest cheerleaders in ministry and in life. So don't, I, I would just challenge you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So we've got these three strands of community. Community with God, community with the church, and community with others. So how do we refocus on the importance of community? We've got these three things, but how do we refocus on them? How do we refocus on the importance of community? So I want to give you practical examples for each of these three things. Each of these three strands. So let's just walk in order. First, community with God flat out. Understand that you have to be intentional. You will have to be intentional in order to have a relationship with God, to have community with God. That It boils down to that. But practically, guys, I mean, once we wrap up this message, we're about to go back into a time of worship. Be intentional there. I, I, man, I tell you all every week, be intentional with that time. Don't let that time go to waste. Be intentional. That is a great time for you to just say, hey, as I worship, I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to be intentional. I'm not going to waste that time. I'm not going to just waste that time standing here. Man, I'm either going to worship God and give him thanks for who he is and what he's done, or I'm going to I'm going to pray. Or I'm going to go find my small group leader and I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to God about the things going on in my life, the things I need help with, the things I'm thankful for. I'm going to share life with God. The second strand was community in the church. And it boils down to supporting the mission of God of making disciples. Like we said, sometimes that looks like going out and serving, and sometimes that looks like supporting others who are going out. And so I want to give you, I want to give everyone here an opportunity right now to serve the mission of God. I want to give you an opportunity right now to serve the mission of God. I want want you to meet Marisol. I want you to meet Marisol. Marisol is nine years old, and she lives in the Dominican Republic. And as of yesterday, we have sponsored her. As As a student ministry, we have sponsored her. And what that means is, We've agreed to help her financially so that she can go to school, so she can have food on the table, so she can have clothes to wear, so that she can just have the the necessary things that you and I take for granted, so she can just have those things. And so while you or I, we may not be able to go to the Dominican Republic right now, we can support those who are going and we can support those who are already there and we can support Marisol. And so here's what this is going to look like. I'm going to challenge each small group to raise $60. $60 in your small group. Not, not each person in your small group, just as a group as a whole. Raise $60 to support Marisol. And if we'll do that, we'll cover her for a whole year. We will cover her for a whole year to be able to have food, clothes, education. So I want to challenge you to that. Each small group to raise $60 so that we can pour in to her life and show her the love of God. 
so we can support the mission of God. I hope you'll join that with me. And I'm going to give you all time in small groups for you all to discuss, hey, how, how can we do this? How can, we, how can we raise this money for her? The third thing, third strand, was community with others. Community with others. I want you to look around. Look at the people sitting next to you. Who are you sitting with? Some of you may say your friends. Well, you're sitting with your small group. You're sitting with your small group. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let's just be real for a minute. I know not all of you are friends with every single person in your small group. I know that. I hear that. And I know not everyone in your small group is the same. People in your small group are different than you. But here's the thing. You're in community. And while there may be people in your small group who are different than you, maybe you're not necessarily friends with, they could become your biggest cheerleader if you'd let them, if you'd care about them. You see, if everyone in your small group would agree just to care for one another, man, there's no telling what type of community y'all could have. No telling. But you have to care about each other. You gotta sacrifice for one another. You gotta be able to say, man, yeah, they're they're different, but you know what? I still care about them. I still care about them. And I'll pour into them. I'll be a I'll be a cheerleader for them. And if everyone just agree in small groups to care about each other and be each other's biggest cheerleaders, man. Your small group could produce some of the best relationships that you'll ever have in life. I, I, I truly mean that. I truly believe that. Growing up, some of the best relationships I had were formed in small groups at church because we cared about each other. We weren't all friends at school, which honestly made it better. We didn't all go to the same school, which made it better. We could talk about the things going on at school and not worry about it. So I just want to challenge you. Be intentional. Be relational because that's what it boils down to. At the end of the day, all of this goes back to you being intentional and relational. If you want to have community with God, if you want to have community in the church, if you want to have community with others, you have to be intentional and you have to be relational. That's what it boils down to. That's what it boils down to. But I hope, I really hope, that you'll refocus on the importance of community. I really do, because, man, if you would refocus on this community, you would begin to see changes in 2021 like you've never seen before. And when you pair refocusing on community with refocusing on Scripture like we talked about last week, and next week we'll talk about refocusing on prayer, and then the next refocusing on worship, Man, if we pair all four of these things together, man, there's no telling what God will do in 2021 in our lives. We will be amazed at what God will do in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for this evening. 
I give you thanks for the time that we can spend together or just diving into your word. Lord, I thank you for the time that we can spend refocusing on our relationships with you. Lord, I pray that you would help us, that you would draw us in, draw us into community with you. Help us to be relational with those around us and to be active in community in the church. Lord, help us. Lord, I thank you that you desire community with us. I thank you so much that you desire community with us. That instead of turning your back to us when we sin, Lord, you gave your son, you sent your son to move into our neighborhood so that you could be relational with us, so that we would have an opportunity, that we would have the availability to be relational with you. And I thank you for that. I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for the community that we have here. Lord, I thank you for each student that's here. Lord, I thank you for the way that you love them, for the purpose that you've given them. Lord, I pray that you would help these students see the love that you have for them each and every day. Lord, I know some students here, they don't know your love. They don't have community with you. So Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. I pray that you would draw them into community with you. That you would open their eyes to the relationship that you desire to have with them. The love that you have, the overwhelming love that you have for them. Draw them in. Lord, as we go through the rest of this evening and into worship and small groups, Lord, I pray that you just speak to us. I pray that you would speak to us. Speak to our hearts. Help us not just to keep your word in our heads, but Lord... Help us to have your word in our hearts and to live your word out through our lives. Lord, I love you and I thank you. And I pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Hey everyone, this is Nathan Sell, the youth pastor at Destin United Methodist Church. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. My prayer is that the Lord would use this podcast as an opportunity to speak life into you. I hope all of you know the love that the Lord has for you and that you are experiencing His blessings each and every day. God bless you, and thank you for listening.